This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Member Advisory. Find an industry mentor or join a peer group to take your growth and development as a business owner to the next level. To learn more about our member advisory programs and to apply for this free resource, visit bscaiorg member advisory. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. Today I have with me Ryan Henley, CBSE, the CEO of IH Services Incorporated. The eldest son of the company's founder, Henley joined IH Services in 1983. Now he and his son Chad work together, keeping the business in the family. We talk about what it means to run a family business, and he takes us down the path from what started as a mom and pop shop to a cleaning outfit that now spans several states. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Um, we are here today to talk about generational businesses, kind of your origin story. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of get in and understand IH services and uh, hear your guys' origin story. So you are, your father started IH services, is that correct? Right. He and my mother. And when you were growing up, looking at what your dad and your mom were doing, what, was it something you were like, man, I really want to do that? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, my dad, my mom and dad, uh, my dad started this business in 1955, you know, basically out of the back of their car. It was him and my mom, you know, he started out just uh, cleaning restrooms and filling stations, nightclubs, uh, small commercial banks, whatnot and i'm the oldest of six so i grew up watching him start this business and grow this business and you know um uh, just watch what they went through and i mean you know you know he worked hard and um you know after a couple of years with the pittsburgh Steelers, he decided that uh, pro football was not for him because he just he moved back to greenville from up there um and started this business in 1955 but, um, yeah, you know, oldest of six growing up watching my dad and mom start the business, I hated it <laughs> because in high school I had to uh, clean and, uh, you know, and uh, do, do all the things that, uh, you know, during the summertime, toilet, clean toilets and all that. So I, I told my mom and dad, I said, look, I, you know, I'm going to college and I'm going to learn how to do something I enjoy, learn, I enjoy doing. I don't want to do this. So I hated it. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's, it's, 
you had like such experience because I like, I like that your story started with you actually being in, in some spaces and cleaning. And now you're, you know, running this cleaning company that you were swore you would never, you would never come back to. Did that experience in high school working for your dad, did that really cement the value and the hard work that cleaning instills? Uh, I watched my dad, you know, um, basically he sold the business, he started it up and he ran it. And he, he was a hard worker. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, uh, he, he worked, you know, he worked night and day. And so, you know, I'll, you know, I always thought of my dad as, as being a real hard worker, but as far as cleaning toilets, you know, the rest of my life, you know, I, you know, I just didn't want to do it. So I, you know, I went to college and played football at a small school up in, um, Garden Webb University up in Bowling Springs, North Carolina. Glad I did. That was the best four years of my life because I, you know, I just, you know, I just had a great time. Right. When I graduated, I became a teacher and a coach, and I coached uh, football and uh, baseball and wrestling and golf and taught school for ten years on a high school and college level. Wow. And then after ten years, I decided, based on looking around at my peers. Uh, how they were moving into college coaching full time and moving all over the country because when a head coach loses a job, the assistant coach loses a job. And so I decided I didn't want to grow old in coaching. And so I went to my dad in 1981 after spending 10 years in coaching. I graduated from college in 71. I said, uh, look, I said, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to ask you if I could join the business. I'd like to learn it from the bottom up. I'm not asking for anything, uh, no favors. I just want to come in and try to learn the business. And so he allowed me to do that. So I started in 1981 and I started at the bottom, you know, and started with, uh, learning how to workload engineer jobs, uh, you know, everything. So, um, basically I, you know, was, was a, basically a trainee, a grunt for, for years. And, uh, finally they gave me a territory. Uh, they said, okay, we want you to go down to this part of South Carolina and we want you to grow this uh, territory. So that's how I learned the business. And that's really cool. That what did your dad say when you were like, Hey, I, I'm actually thinking about learning. Was he like, Oh, I thought, thought I'd never see you here. Or was he really excited? Well, you know, um, he had a, <clears throat> he had a partner back in those days. And, um, None of my brothers and sisters were showing any interest. I'm, I'm the oldest of six. Like I said, there's five boys and a girl in my family and none of my brothers and sisters were really showing any interest in the business. So I saw it as an opening for me to come in and learn the business. So basically my dad's partner was my business mentor. My dad was an entrepreneur. He was not an, he was not a financial guy. He was an operator. Okay. He, he loved to get his hands dirty. So he was not really a detailed person when he came to finances, when it came, when it came to policies and procedure. So this partner that he brought in, Joel Wells, him, 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 he and Joel were friends from the past. So he brought him in and Joel kind of put structure in the business. Mm -hmm. He taught me the business side of the business. He taught me the financial side. He taught me the sales side. <clears throat> I learned the entrepreneurial and the operation side by watching my dad start the business, but you know, there's more to running a family business than operating it. You got to, you got to understand the finances. You got to understand sales. So, uh, he took me under his wing and taught me that side of the business and turned me loose. He said, okay, go, go down to this territory and let's see what you can do. So I built that territory up, um, 
uh, you know, sold accounts, started it and uh, ran it and basically was a very successful territory for us. So, you know, that's the way I started out in the business, learning the business from the ground up. That's really unique that you had both of that, that experience of seeing your dad with that entrepreneurial side, knowing from not only as an adult, but also as a child, seeing how hard he worked, but then also having that person, that mentor that showed you the mechanics. So you had the dream and the vision, and then you also have the actual tools to make that vision a reality. Right. Yeah, well, you know, it was, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. And so I was able to work my way up to a, a operation manager, and then I became vice president of operations. Then we had an operations up in North Carolina that we had another partner up there that we were getting ready to buy out. So they sent me up there to, to, um, to run that. So I became president of that division up there. And I did that for two years, knowing that when we bought that partner out, there was a chance we could lose some of that business. Right. And so that was really uh, an opportunity to me to get out on my own and become, have a leadership, a, a leadership position in a, in a different uh, company in a different state. And, you know, that really, um, that independence, that uh, being out on my own and being independent really taught me a lot for a couple of years. And then we decided to basically fold all of these. We had like three operating companies back then. And, and we had IH of North Carolina, IH of South Carolina, IH of Georgia and Alabama. We decided to kind of combine them under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. So I came back to Greenville. We did, we did that. I moved back to Greenville after two years in 1990. I was up there in 88, 89, and 90. I moved back in 90. And then we consolidated all these under one umbrella, you know, basically bought out the partner, those partners. And I became vice president of operations over all of it. And the business was basically growing organically. We were not even, we had no idea what acquisitions were back in those days. We were right. just trying to grow the business organically. And then in 1993, my dad's only other partner, Joel Wells, came to me and he says, look, I want y'all to buy me out. So in 1993, we started that process. So I became president of IH services in 1993. What, when, when you guys were moving towards that consolidation, what was, was that your thinking that, okay, maybe we should unify that? Was that your dad's thinking? How did that? That was my dad's partner and, and uh, he got with me and he, you know, he said, I want to run something by you. And I said, well, that sounds like a great idea. I think we ought to do it. You know, you put everything under one umbrella. And so you, you know, you don't, you, you don't have as many expenses. If, if you have three separate operating companies and you fold them into one, you got some synergies that you can take advantage of. Right. And like you said, you know, it's mergers and acquisitions now are a lot different than they were back in the day. So if you have the ability to consolidate, you know, back then, that was a really unique opportunity to, to take on, especially for a family of what it was originally a family business, you know, right. Um, I know that your son now <laughs> works at IH services. Right. Um, what was that like when, what was he interested in the business when he was growing up or was it kind of the same story that you had where he maybe wanted to branch out and do something else and then came back to it? Well, you know, he, you know, he went to college and, um, you know, I just, I told him, I said, you know, Chad, if you ever want to come into business, my, you know, my rule of thumb for family business is you got to go out and do something on your own for five to seven years and basically prove yourself, you, you know, there's no way that I'm going to allow you to come in and, and, and into this business day one out of college. You may not even be interested, but if you are, 
then, you know, I'm going to uh, basically, uh, you know, make you or, you know, I'll, you know, tell you that you need to be out on your own for five to seven years working for somebody else. So it, at a point in time um, uh, in the um, early two, uh, 2000s, um, I was looking for somebody to come in and help me run the business because I was basically president and I, I didn't have anybody really underneath me. So I felt like if we needed to grow, I needed to get somebody in here that, that I basically could turn the operations over to, sales, right. you know, sales and operations over to. So, you know, I went after a guy that I was, that my son was friends with his son and that was Taylor Bruce, who's past president of the BSCAI. Yep. <laughs> so Taylor and I got together and he came in and, and uh, basically ran the operation for me. It was a great partnership. You know, we don't, we didn't have any partners back then and we don't have any partners anymore. We will never have, we will never have any more partners, but uh, Taylor came in and, you know, worked underneath me and it was, you know, it was kind of, you know, he had a lot of questions. What do I do? Because all my brothers and sisters and my dad and mom were still alive. He's going to be working in a family business, you know, and, you know, running a family business and he's not family. So he had a lot of concern, but Taylor came in and did a great job for us, grew the business organically uh, through the years. And of course he retired at the end of last year. And uh, he was just, he was just a great, great uh, addition to this company. So one day Taylor came to me about 15 years ago, I, th I think it was about 15 years ago, and uh, said, look, I want to hire our sons. <laughs> said, you want to do what? <laughs> you like, have you met him? <laughs> His son, Seth Bruce, and my son, Chad, he said, I want to hire him. He, he says they both have proved themselves out, and they, they're great salespeople. They've got great personalities. I want to hire them. I said, okay, it's on you. <laughs> you sink or swim with them. Okay. They, they came in and they did a bang up job. I mean, they just, they did. They were the best salespeople that, uh, that we, we had and they were hungry. They were aggressive. Uh, you know, they were just, you know, they just, they, you know, they never met a stranger. So they were just, they were ideal for the job. So basically now, uh, you know, after years in sales, Chad became vice president of sales. Uh, now he's the chief operating officer and Seth was uh, promoted uh, uh, last year when Taylor uh, retired and when Chad was promoted to COO, Seth was promoted to vice president of sales. So Taylor's vision about bringing his son and my son into the business has worked out greatly. I think that's really cool now. It's like a multi-pronged family. So what started with your family has right. now kind of brought in this other family as well. And it's still really holding on to the values of, you know, hard work and dedication. Even though you are family, you still are, you know, challenging your sons to be good people and strong people on their own without having to like rely on what, what right. you've already built. Well, my philosophy about a family business is a family, it's a, it's a business first and a family second. Now, some people that's hard, it's hard for them to swallow that. But if you don't treat business like a business first and a family second, then you're, you know, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. And, you know, my, you know, some of my brothers and sisters who were, were stockholders back in those days, you know, really didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. They thought that we ought to hire, just go out and hire everybody in the, in the, on, in the family. I said, we're not going to do that because it's a business first. If they've got quality attributes and they can bring something to the table, 
and they've got skills that we we need, you know, we'll take a look at them. If we've got a, a job opening, but we're not going to create jobs for just for family. It's a right. business first. How how is it like? What is it like to navigate those conversations, especially because you're 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 in a third level generation now, where it's your parents, it's your siblings, it's your son, and maybe one day it'll be your grandson or granddaughter. You know, that's kind of jumping into this business. You just got to, you know, you just got to teach them, you know, they got to learn the business first. They got to learn the financial side. They got to learn sales side. They got to learn operation side. But in the end, it's basically all about, all about uh, operating the business and having enough cash to operate it. And it's all about financials. I mean, you know, uh, they, you know, they have to understand that, you know, you just can't go out and spin your way out of something. You know, you've got, you know, you've got to look at every nickel and dime. This is a nickel and dime quarter business. you raise somebody's wage by a quarter 50 cent an hour it costs you a million dollars a year so it's uh you know it's, it's teaching them the um financial principles of how to rule it how to how to run a business is that really you know I, I i love that you went out and kind of did your own thing and came back and that you made your son do it and i know that part of that was because you wanted to make sure that he was getting his own unique experiences in business or you know whatever path that he wanted to go on which was sales um how do you think having that real world experience outside of being in the family business teaches you to understand those mechanisms of sales, understand the mechanisms of finances, understand how businesses run? I think, I think it's critical. I think it's, you know, if any, any family member that's uh, thinking about joining the family business, I think it's critical that they go out and get under somebody else, work under somebody else, you know, because you know, if you always work for the family business, you only understand the family business. Right. Go out into the real world and work for somebody, then you're going to understand how things work out there. And then you're going to bring those skills that you learned out there into the family business. Right. Um, jumping around just a little bit, uh, when you were younger and you you were we went to college and you were coaching, I find it really cool that you were a, a coach. Um, I think good leader, I mean, I've heard many times is great leaders act like coaches. They are encouraging, but they're, you know, they're tactical. They are always making sure that their people are bettering themselves while, you know, being somebody that they can lean on and support. How do you think having that coaching background helped you when you moved into the business world? Oh, it was, it's, it's, you can't measure, I can't measure it, you know, becoming a coach and having to be really detailed about what, what, what we did in coaching, you know, motivating people, leading people, um, you know, you, you know, it's just, I mean, it's invaluable. It was invaluable to me. Um, you know, and I, I still use those skills today. You know, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not afraid of getting up in front of people and talking to people. I'm not afraid of getting in front of a customer. I'm not afraid of leading somebody. I'm not afraid of taking chances of trying different things. If I hadn't have been in coaching, I never would have learned how to do all that. You know, I learned that in coaching, you know, I learned, you know, I just, I learned, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to take risks, but you gotta have, you gotta take calculated risks. You gotta try new things. Just, just like putting in a new offense or a new defense, you know, teaching kids fundamentals about football. Same thing about teaching our people fundamentals about the business. Right. You know, but, you know, and I, I learned in, co in coaching, that you need to surround yourself with other good coaches, good good assistant coaches, 
And if you surround yourself with other people that think like you, that have the same morals that you do, the same excitement that you do, then you're going to, then you're going to be successful in business. And that's what I try to do here. I brought in Taylor. Taylor was a lot smarter than I was in certain areas, you know, and he, he worked uh, in, in, a, as, as in, in, a, in the textile industry as the VP, VP of uh, a senior VP, a president of a company. So he, he'd been there, done that on running businesses and running companies. I wasn't afraid to bring in somebody that had a lot more skills than I did in certain areas. So you bring in people to fill in the gaps where you're the weakest. I know where my strengths are and I know where my weaknesses are. So I'm going to fill in the gaps where, where my weaknesses are and not afraid to hire people that are a lot smarter than I am. Do you think some of that, obviously that a lot of that comes from your coaching experiences, but do you think that your parents kind of also instilled that uh, introspective view, you know, that you are only as good as the people you surround yourself with and hard work is how you move forward? Yeah, when my dad, you know, when my dad, like I said, my dad was an entrepreneur and an operator. He was not a financial guy and he was not a sales guy. So when he brought Joel in, brought Joel brought those skills in. So I saw firsthand how, uh, how somebody that was not a member of the family could come in and help things get better and grow road the business that's i i love that it's it's i always love the stories where you kind of mirror you you do it differently than your parents but you learn such positive things and then you see how things work and then you're able to pass that on to your son you know with because he's got you know his partner too you know on his level how does that make you feel on an emotional level that must make you feel a real sense of pride that you took something that your dad created and now it's become this huge business and now your son's partaking in it as well you know it's uh, you know my mother what my mother and father did and what they accomplished is 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 unheard of in today's market okay i don't think any i don't think someone could go out and start a business out of the back of their car and grow it to where we are today i mean they they were you know they were we, we were blessed this business doesn't belong to me you know it belongs to god and my mother and father were really blessed in how they how they came up. You know, they they almost lost everything several times during their life. Right. You know, during their life, you know, you know, they had to go out and, and get a bank to trust them to borrow money to continue to grow the business. But they they never they never uh, allowed themselves not to pay their debts. They paid off all their debts, and so it you know it's it, it's it. I just, I get cold chills when I think about it, think about what they did, but I don't want to, I don't want to be too proud about what we're doing today because I want to be more humble than I am proud because everything can vanish tomorrow. Okay. It can go away. We just got to make sure that we're doing the things today and every day that's going to continue to help us grow tomorrow. That's, I mean, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, when you think about the growth though, from more of a tactical perspective, what do you think were some of the successful things that your parents did that you did that now you and your son are doing together that have enabled you to, that have enabled this business to go from, you know, like you said, out of the back of your parents' car to now this huge business that covers a huge territory of the U.S.? Well, early on, back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, um, we were heavily in the textile industry. You know, Greenville, South Carolina was considered back then to be the textile capital of the world just because, you know, a, a lot of business was conducted in this area in textile. So we had a, 
85, 80, 85, 80% of our 80 to 85% of our business was in textiles. Okay. And we, we didn't do a lot of small, uh, uh, or commercial buildings. We did the, we did industrial plants and textile plants. So we cut our teeth on the industrial sector. Textile started going away in the right. mid eighties, late night, I mean, mid nineties, late nineties. So we had to reposition ourselves and go after other business. So we started going after distri distribution business. We started going after uh, medical office buildings. And so we had to move from textiles. Now today, I think, you know, there's just, there's only a few textile plants left in the United States. Um, and we probably, uh, 10% of our business is textiles mm. and, you know, but we're still 90, 90% of our business is industrial. It's, it's distribution. It's, um, nursing homes, it's medical office buildings. Still, we're not in high rise office buildings whatsoever. Is that like a, is that a choice that you're actively making or is it just something you haven't bridged yet? Absolutely. It's a choice. It's a choice because we, we know the industrial business like the back of our hand. We know the distribution business like the back of our hand. That's, that's where we are. That's what our strengths are. And, and we know that business and we're, we're sticking with that business. How has COVID challenged the, the business and, and how have you kind of taken your reservoir of what you've learned and, and tried to move forward? But basically when COVID hit and, you know, kind of it all came down in, at the end of March, we started having a leadership meeting. Um, you know, we were basically, we call it a, a COVID-19 COVID review meeting. And we met every day on by, you know, uh, team or Zoom or whatever, by team, our, our uh, platform is team. We had a team meeting every, the virtual team meeting every day with, uh, with the leadership of our company. You know, and the, the amazing thing about this COVID situation, we, ha we have like five operating companies now. Mm -hmm. And we have, th we have three presidents and we have a, uh, you know, VP of sales, a VP of engineering, you know, and a VP of HR. But all the all of our companies were kind of siloed. Okay, they they kind of had all these walls between them, and I, I, some some of our people were too were scared to cross over, mm -hmm. and they wanted they they wanted to do things a certain way. Well, when we came together as a leadership team, all those all those silos came down, and the the the, the neat thing about COVID, if there's a neat thing about COVID, which I know, that, you know a lot of people have lost their lives. I've had some friends lose their lives, and you know that's that's bad. But the neat thing for us is we all came together as a leadership team, and we pulled together. We met every day. You know, we we looked at our cash flow. We looked at our receivables. We 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 uh, sacrificed, and all of us took a took a um, a salary cut for three months. Um, you know, when everybody came together and everybody worked together and it made us a better and stronger team. That's great. It, it, when I hear you talk about it, it reminds me of what you said about coaching. You know, if you have the fundamentals, if you know all the stuff, then if you go on the field, no matter what is happening in the game, you're still the fundamentals. You still have the stuff to get you through it. I've worked harder in the last eight months than I have in the last four years. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, I, I really love hearing about, you know, the, the family aspect in it. And I really, I really can feel your passion for 
this business and your pride in what you guys have been able to create. And I think that's such a really cool thing, you know, because there are a lot of family businesses in BSCAI and it's really cool to see a business that started very small and is now really successful, but is still holding on to the things that make it a family business, the, the loyalty, the, the hard work, all that stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, I just can't say enough about my team. Uh, you know, the, the people that I uh, surrounded myself with are just, uh, I just can't say enough about, you know, it's, uh, my success is because of them, not because of anything I've done. It's because of what they've done. Well, that's great. Um, and I guess my final question for you is if I'm a small business owner, I'm a family business owner and I'm out here listening to this podcast, what would be the biggest piece of advice you could give somebody who is in a family business or, or plans to hand their business off to a family member when they plan to retire? Well, my, my advice to them is, you know, we, you know, even though we're a large company now, we were a small company back then. And, you know, I'm glad I went somewhere else and worked before I joined the family business. So if, if you're considering bringing one of your um, sons or daughters into the business, let them go out and work for somebody else. Let them learn how to sell. Let them learn finances from somebody else. And if you can't do that, I mean, if you got to bring them in, then, you know, get them, give them, get them a mentor from outside somewhere. Go, go find somebody, you know, that's in finances or whatever, and let them spend time with them to mentor them, to, to train them, get them some training other than the training that you're going to give them in the family business, because it will be invaluable to them. Well, that's great advice. Um, well, we appreciate you coming on our show so much, and we love hearing about uh, what you guys are doing. Um, if they want to learn more about IH Services, is there a website they can visit? Yeah, ihservices.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, have a yeah, have a great rest of your day. <laughs> hey, hey, you be safe, okay? Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. Anytime. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.